Hello and welcome to It's Your Money. I'm Susie Jones with you this week along with Bruce Helmer and Peg Webb. And we are so happy to have you with us listening in the audience, reminding you right out of the gates, if you have any financial question for our guest today, you can call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week, one eight 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 six advice And always email questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Now here is Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Hello, friends. How are you guys? Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Bruce. Hi, Peg. Hi, Susie. Susie, we're glad you're back. You're in good voice today, as is always the case. And Peg and Susie... Um, and listeners, yeah, Susie uh, said if you want to jump in with texts and calls, we'll definitely have time to take some questions today. But, Peg, we wanted to start out right now, uh, who, who, the, the audience listening to us, it's close to Independence Day. It's close to the 4th of July. And we thought we would do a show today where we talked, we, we connected the dots a little bit and talked about financial independence and, and getting financial independence and how to achieve it, and what exactly does that mean. And so I think there's, you know, a lot of different roads we can go down with this broad topic, but, you know, it comes back to what we talk about all the time, comprehensive uh, financial planning. Uh, but, Peg, let's, uh, let's kind of jump into this. Um, you know, I didn't know this, but the marketing team dug this information up. The, the Declaration of Independence borrowed from a previous document for the state of Virginia. And I'm going to quote this because the Virginia uh, Declaration said, quote, all men are by nature equally free and independent and have certain inherent rights, namely the enjoyment of life and liberty with the means of acquiring and possessing property and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety, end quote. But at the Declaration of Independence, they left out the part about pursuing or, or, or possess, possessing property. But I think we can connect the dots and, and, and come to the conclusion that even the forefathers in this idea of pursuing happiness, that part of this was financial, owning property, or maybe today we would say owning a house. So the, the forefathers actually were, were, were concerned about financial well-being. Peg? <clears throat> Yeah, Bruce, I, I, I love that you're giving us that refresher because I think it's important that when we talk about Fourth of July or Independence Day, uh, our, our, you know, our history, the history of how this all came about. And Bruce, you and I actually see it in pride of ownership of property. I mean, I, you know, our clients just beam when they tell us that they own this house or they own this cabin or you know it's just it's a pride thing but also a happy thing and so i i think that's a good way to uh, start the conversation today and you know when it comes to our business we talk a lot about financial independence so it doesn't have to be fourth of july right we talk about it all year and you know when we define uh, financial independence um, and actually, our clients kind of help us define for them personally, like, what does that mean to them? Well, for some, it means, you know, not being uh, a burden for other family members in their lives. So when clients come in for their reviews, 
or we have prospects or referrals that, you know, are recommended from our clients, I would say, you know, as we're trying to get to know them in the first and second meetings, this is a big deal. Like, are we financially independent whereby if something happened to me or, um, and, and I'm talking about any age, like if you are disabled, you know, um, this is probably bad to say, Bruce, but if if you don't die and you're disabled, you know, that's actually more of a burden a lot of times for families than if something happens to you. So people think about, okay, I don't want to be a burden to my families. Others um, just, they this is, this is probably tops the one I just said, do I have enough to live in the lifestyle that I'm leading today for the rest of my life? And um, I get goosebumps again, Bruce, because when clients and, and prospective clients come in and, you know, a lot of people are downloading, you know, to our portal today and they're sending the documents in a much more secure way than we've done for decades. But I still go back to a lot of times, and especially new prospects would come in and they would have their entire life in a, in a pile, right? They had statements, they had their tax returns, they, were, they, they wanted us to get to know them, you know, to a real detailed um, spot when they come in. So then what I talk about is when they ask me this question, do I have enough for the rest of my life to live in this lifestyle that I am today? Well, then they push those papers over to me on the other side of the table and they're, they're looking at me like, do you have that magic, you know, that, that I um, can, can be confident or have the financial independence you know, to be able to retire early or then we go through everybody's goals, right? Because then I have to know, okay, this is your financial things, but what is it that you want? What is it that you value in your life today? And, you know, what's the most important things for you, Bruce? Oh my gosh, Peg, this is so good. And you went so many different places already. And I want to kind of comment on all the all the different places you went, and again, I, I say this a lot. Listeners know that when we do the, when we do the show, we have a basic outline that we that we follow. But then a lot of it is just freewheeling, free thinking. We riff, we, so I'm going to riff on a couple things that you just said. Um, when you talked about the emotion of buying a house, I want to share a personal example. So my son Greg, my 26 year old son Greg, bought his first house last year. And the pride that I feel seeing him happy and seeing his pride, and, and you know, they, they bought what we would call a fixer-upper, and they did that on purpose. It was, you know, what they could afford. But then the joy they get out of papering and painting and working on it together and improving it, and the, and the joy I got of giving him a housewarming gift of a nice Traeger grill. He likes to grill and, you know, make hot dogs and hamburgers and steaks on the grill. And... You can't put a price tag on that, and I can't tell you how happy just all of us are about his ability to do that. Now, buying a house doesn't mean you're financially independent, but it's a good start and it's a good step in the right direction. The other thing you talked about, you mentioned uh, you know, the burden to, your, to getting what you want. I always talk to clients about life throws us curveballs. You could have the best plan in the world, 
and financial planning would actually be easy if everything went the way it's supposed to go, but it doesn't. Life throws curveballs at us. There's unexpected challenges and burdens, and a good financial plan is adaptable and flexible so you can change the plan to overcome these roadblocks or, or hit these curveballs. You also mentioned goals. Last week, really the whole show, we talked about goals, and it starts with, uh, we had our good friend Doug Lennick on, and we talked about goals, and it starts with core values, and you said it, Peg, what's important to you? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do? And one of the goals I get from clients a lot when I ask them is exactly what you just said. It resonated with me. Again, I didn't know exactly what you were going to say, but people literally tell me all the time I don't want to be a burden to anyone when I get older. I don't want my kids to have to take care of me. I don't want anybody to have to financially support me. And and it works the other way, too. When we're parents launching our young children, they want to be independent. My son didn't want to count on Dad to be able to buy his house. He wanted to do it all by himself. In fact, I wanted to put in sod for him, and he wouldn't let me do it. He thought that was too much. He said, I'll do it when I can afford to do it. So... This idea of independence and goals and core values and overcoming curveballs and obstacles that life throws at us. So this is all part of this discussion. And, and again, um, hopefully, and I think we're going to have some good ideas or things to do to uh, help people achieve this financial independence, whatever it means to you. And, again, everybody's different. Everybody's a snowflake. There is no one definition of financial independence. Everybody's probably got a different definition of it, right, Peg? Yeah, um, Bruce, a couple things. I'm glad that you mentioned last week's show. I missed it, but then I was able to go listen to it. Uh, If you go to wealthenhancement.com, we have a tab called Insights at the top. And then if you go to Your Money Radio, we have all the radio shows um, from on there. So if you missed Doug Lennick from Think to Perform, um, it was just a fantastic show. And definitely you guys talked about goals. So what I'd like to do, Bruce, is um, talk a little bit about a roadmap. Like how, how do you get to financial independence? Well, the basic principles are save more, spend less, right? And then invest in, in, uh, invest in yourself, meaning you need to have a plan, you need to have goals, that kind of thing. Sounds kind of easy, but no. I mean, life gets in the way, and that's what you describe, Bruce, is things happen. So a couple roadmap items that we think about um, at Wealth Enhancement Group is, this is a hard one, even for me, uh, committing to deferred gratification. I blame the world. I blame the media. The fact that we pretty much today, Bruce, if I want something, I was just having a conversation this morning with my husband and I said, oh, I was on the Internet. Oh, I actually could have this in two hours. And he went, two hours? And I said, no, if I hit this button now, it's instant gratification. That's something that, you know, when I use the word discipline, that actually makes it even harder for us to have discipline, to save more, spend less. Well, you know, what you can do is if you, you know, spend your time and your money and you connect that to the bigger things, the goals that you have. 
Um, and I just went to this workshop, Bruce, and all they did was say, ask yourself these questions, right? So if you're supposed to make a decision, this whole workshop was about asking yourself these questions. So when I'm talking about instant gratification, I could have this thing in two hours. Okay, then the questions are, do I really need this? You know, is that going to follow um, the goals that I have because I have these other bigger things that I want to do? Does that actually follow what I want um, in the short term? Because if I buy this thing, then it probably will compound, right? If I get this one thing, then I need these other things. And so asking yourself questions is a good idea. And then how you choose to spend your money, um, I think that takes a lot of discipline, especially if there's more than one person that's you know making this decision. So like my husband this morning, he said, okay, do you, okay, I know you can have this in two hours, but you might just two hours later go, why did I do this? Why did I even spend this money on this? I really don't even like it. So putting more time in. So the roadmap just says, okay, put the time and money into, um, you know, thinking about what you need. Don't make it a knee-jerk reaction. The other thing, Bruce, on a roadmap, and this is super important, is that you have some money that's in an emergency fund. We talk about it all the time. But financial independence is having this cushion, and you know that that cushion is there, which actually might drive you to do things that you may not otherwise do in your work. You know, maybe you actually um, want to go for that promotion, you know, and but yet you're worried about this, that, or the other thing. Or maybe it is something that you um, invest a little bit more money because you feel like in the growth side of things, because you have this cushion. I witness every day people who have a cushion and a safety net are much more, have so much more freedom than people that are hoping, wishing that nothing ever happened to them. Meaning all of a sudden life changes when you make other plans meaning disability or, you know, I know we've heard the stories, cars break down, you know, oh, I need a new computer, all those things. So our basic um, thought is that you need at least three months, if not six months, you know, or you need some other bucket of money that's super liquid that you wouldn't lose money uh, if you had an emergency. And then the third one, Bruce, that we put on the roadmap is, uh, be open to pursuing experiences in your life that are financially freeing. So what do we mean by that? Oh, well, we talk to clients all the time. Where are you traveling this year? You know, you know how many times I hear grandchildren? My goal is to take each one of my grandchildren on a trip independently, not all of them together, um, starting a business. We hear that often. Uh, we also, you know, hear about, um, oh, my brother is, you know, in hardship. Can I afford to give them a loan? Can I afford to give them money outright? Those are all the things that, um, that you can say yes to. But when you have financial independence, you can't go too crazy by giving, 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 because all of a sudden you may be in a uh, situation where, it doesn't help you to help them because then you're just uh, 
you're just kind of pushing out the inevitable that maybe you are going to actually have to ask people for help down the road. So, Bruce, these are just questions and comments about, you know, what we're doing with clients. But I wanted to give a couple of examples. What the, what would that roadmap look like to get financial independence in your mind? Um. Are you, are you asking me what, what I think the road should be for financial independence? I'm not sure. Are you, are you, or is that rhetorical? Or I'm not sure what you want yeah. me to say. <laughs> oh, no. The, the three things that I mentioned are kind of top of mind things. I didn't know if you had any other kind of roadmap, one, two, threes oh. um, in your head that I didn't mention. Well, let, let me let me see if I can spit back what you said uh, for me and for listeners. So, uh, number one, you talked about um, how, you, you know basing it on your values and, and what's important to you and setting goals. You talked about an emer- the importance of an emergency fund, and um, what was the third one? Well, the third was the most fun: is pursuing experiences in your life that are financially oh, yeah. freeing, like being able to take a vacation or take your grandchildren on a trip, or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. I, no, those are good. I like that. The the thought I had when you and I'm glad you started with. So the, the basic principles: save more, spend less. Sounds easy, but it's not. And then you went in. One of the reasons it's not easy is this idea of immediate gratification, and that is a torpedo in the boat that sabotages a lot of people. Two really quick examples: this immediate gratification. That's why. Millions of Americans have balance on their credit cards that they can't pay the balance because they went and bought something that they really couldn't afford, but they wanted it right now, and now they're paying interest to go get that thing. And number two, we talk about this a lot. People want immediate gratification when it comes to taxes. So nobody wants to pay more taxes this year than they have to, but we always coach clients, we're looking at net taxes over a lifetime and sometimes we want you to pay a little bit more now because it'll help you pay a lot less later on. But that's a hard concept to get people to understand because they want immediate gratification. But, no, I like your three things. I, I can't improve upon that. Peg, we've got less than three minutes before a break. What else do we want to tell uh, listeners about financial independence here in the first part of the show? Yeah, so what I thought we would do is talk about some action items, like what are some of the things that can do to maybe raise your confidence? One is, what is your net savings rate? So a lot of people don't even know, what am I spending? What am I saving? I mean, are you saving 15 to 20% of your income? Um, You know, uh, if you're not aware of your save versus spend, and you're just out there living life, Um, we've witnessed that that can hit you on the backside, right? All of a sudden you're 65 years old and you don't want to work anymore. And some people are 55 and they don't want to work anymore. Well, if you don't know what you're saving and spending, you know, that actually is um, a, a hard decision to make confidently when you're in that situation. The second one is current and future spending. So we just talked about it. You save, you spend. Compare what you're spending today, your needs, what are fluff things, you know, things that you want, um, you have big projects going. Uh, What you and I, Bruce, know, and we can probably talk about this more on the backside, is when people retire in these go-go years, 
boy, do they spend. And while they feel good and they see friends that medically are not doing so well, they want to go out and do all the things that were on their bucket list. And so we as financial planners have to help them decide how we make that plan work for you where you can go in retirement. Bruce? Bruce, I'll jump in here at 651-461-9226. That is the number to call. As we near the bottom of the hour, you're listening to Your Money with Bruce Helmer and Peg Webb, and we're talking about financial freedom as we near the 4th of July holiday. A lot of people thinking about America and its beginning and being free from the English. We are here to talk about financial freedom and what you need to do to get there and stay there as you move into the retirement years. The number to call if you have a question for Bruce or for Peg is 651-461-9226. That's 651-461-9226. We'll take your calls, your questions. You can also call us. You can text or you can call 651-461-9226. We're back in moments. Welcome back. It is your money. Once again, here is Peg Webb and Bruce Helmer, the founder of Wealth Enhancement. We are taking your calls this last half hour at 651-461-9226. We're talking about financial independence as we near the 4th of July, Independence Day in the United States. Peg, Bruce, take it away. Thank you so much, Susie Jones. Listeners, thank you for hanging in there with us. If you joined us late in the first half, Peg and I talked about financial independence and what it means. It means different things to different people. But some of the things we talked about is uh, property ownership, home ownership. We talked about retiring early. In, in fact, Peg, we have an acronym that we never threw out there. Financial independence, retire early, or FIRE, F-I-R-E, financial independence, retire early. We talked about saving more and spending less. It's easy to say. It's, it's simple to understand. It's not necessarily easy to do. Some of the things that get in our way are our desire for immediate gratification. And then you talked a lot about uh, some of the key things that uh, uh, things that people can do uh, to help them achieve financial independence. You talked about uh, the connection with time and money and core values and setting goals. You talked about the importance of having a rainy day or an emergency fund. And then we talked about pursuing the things in life that give life meaning, that give life joy, retiring, spending time with grandchildren, travel, uh, pursuing your, 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 the things that you like to do, hunting, fishing, hiking, whatever, whatever that may be. Then you talked about a little bit, Peg, um, some of the key things you talked about, your net savings rate. How much are you actually saving? And I wanted to throw in in the first half, and we, and we ran out of time, Peg, what I see a lot is that someone is a good saver. Let, let's make the math simple. Let's say they've decided they're going to put away 10% of their earnings. And so if it's somebody making $50,000 a year, they're going to save $5,000 a year. And when you're a young person in your 20s, that's you know probably puts you ahead of most people your age. As you get older, of course, we'd like to see that percentage go up to maybe 15 or 20%. But let's work with the 10%. But then what I often see is someone will, uh, you know, get raises or get promotions in their work. And after a few years, maybe they're making $60,000 instead of 50. 
but they forget to increase their savings rate. They're still only saving $5,000 a year, they, and they're not putting away 10% anymore. And instead of saving and investing for their future, that all goes into lifestyle, and that might come back to immediate gratification, kind of trumping uh, the logic and, and trying to stay with that 10% goal. So these are all things that we talked about, and we wanted to, you know, that's kind of a recap. But let's continue this discussion, and then before we're done, we'll definitely like to get uh, listeners involved as well. Pick? Yeah, thanks, Bruce. That was a great recap of the uh, first half. You know, we talk a lot about uh, needs and wants, and, uh, you know, most of that is either maintaining the lifestyle that you've been accustomed to, and I'm talking about entering into retirement, and I mentioned those go-go years. Well, there's other things that happen that just start to cost more when you get older, and that is health care. So in our practices, we have practiced, in our practices, we have practiced. Um, day to day, we do, uh, we take care of all these clients. And um, in real life, we can witness what is happening. Things are definitely costing more, like groceries and health care. And, but how do you actually try to figure out what is enough? So at Wealth Enhancement Group, as you know, we're comprehensive plans. So we don't, we just don't take people's money and say, okay, we can get you a better rate of return than the market. What we do is we are very good money managers on money, but surrounding money management is all these things that, in my opinion, are more important than even managing the money, and that is the comprehensive planning. So when I talk about the comprehensive planning, when you think about spending and saving, um, and I actually believe our, our school systems should actually brainwash the children as a very young age, that there are two things. You can spend and you can save. If you do them simultaneously and you do it to the degree where you save, Bruce, you mentioned that you know five, that 10% is not enough for the rest of your life. But if you educate people around how much can you spend if you save as much and you're trying to create this income for the rest of your life, because the goal is, and not as much today anymore, where everybody says by 65, I'm going to be done working. But if you're one of those people that are, are you know, thinking about retirement one day, which most people are, then you should have a general rule in mind. And the general rule is you can probably take somewhere between 3 and 4% off your portfolio per year. And depending on how much risk you're willing to take, that should supplement, um, you know, income for the rest of your life. So it truly does depend on how you're invested and how disciplined you are to maintain that. So um, at Wealth Enhancement Group, we do use the money matrix, which we talk about a lot on here. That's my favorite tool of, you know, walking clients through taxable money, tax deferred and tax advantaged. But more importantly, how balanced are you in short term, medium term, long term? Because I think our hands on approach, Bruce, helps people with a higher probability of success of being able to generate that three to four percent um, on their money because emotions play in money. Uh, and this is my last word here. Emotions are, are 
everything with money, right? We're just, we work so hard to get it. And someone like ourselves has to create a discipline in the investor or the client to stay with their plan, even though the markets go up and the markets go down. So um, the, the, the point there just being, if you can't do it yourself, you probably should get some help because trying to stay disciplined on your own is a very hard thing. Bruce? Yeah, I just want to uh, jump on, and I'm, I'm gonna, in a second I'm going to ask a favor of you because you do it so well. I love to listen to it. Um, but you mentioned the money matrix, and again, I want to go back to last week's show. And whether it's last week's show or this week's show, financial independence, again, um, if you go to wealthenhancement.com/slash-your-money, you can always you know get this stuff if you missed it. You can hear Doug Lennick from last week. But Peg, Doug talked about what he called the, the smart money strategy, meaning whenever you need money, there's a smart place to get it. And that's why we use the money matrix. And uh, again, at the risk of seeming self-serving, I know there's a lot of good people in our space, a lot of good financial advisory firms, but I know none of them are using the money matrix. And I know that for us, it's key to the advice that we give clients. And in part, it's because it helps us assure that when, when clients need money, whether it's at retirement or whether it's paying for a wedding or a vacation, it helps assure that they're spending the, the smartest possible money first. So my favor is go through that again in a little more detail. You kind of did it uh, from 10,000 feet, but dig a little bit deeper, please, if you would, and talk about the money matrix and why it's important and how we use it. Yeah, thanks, Bruce, because to me it is the be-all, end-all. Meaning, you know, if you if you draw kind of a tic-tac-toe box and at the top, in the first column, you put taxable. And all that means is that the monies that we line up underneath that in short-term bucket, medium-term bucket, and long-term bucket, means that you're going to get a 1099 at the end of the year for those buckets of money. Then the second column has tax advantaged. And what that is, is your tax deferred. Um, tax, no, the second bucket is tax deferred, not tax advantage. And what that is, is it's an IOU to the IRS. All of us are saving in some kind of work plan and saying, okay, I won't pay any tax now, and I actually I will build this, and I'm not getting a 1099, but I have a big IOU to the IRS. The last column is tax advantaged. And what that is, is it might be municipal bonds. It might be Roth IRAs. So a lot of clients today have Roth IRAs. And under those two columns, the tax deferred and the tax advantage, you also have short money, long money, uh, medium-term money. Well, why this is so important is because when we look at the complexity of building uh, paychecks for the rest of people's lives, we're depending on the market conditions, we're either taking the short-term money that's sitting in the money market today, or in 2021, especially when the market was so good, we harvested gains and we actually took some of that long money and made it short because there isn't a lot of years that we have these huge double digit markets, right? So, and we probably have to fill up our short term bucket at some time if we're living off of it, then strategically we need to fill that up. But Bruce, that's what we call our hands on approach. And let me just describe what may, others might be doing. Others may just have you in a stock and bond portfolio and they just dollar cost average out of that stock and bonds 
you know, for your entire retirement years. Is that good or bad? Well, I feel like because the stock market goes through, you know, um, years of where it's good and years of where it's bad, you can control and actually maybe raise your probability of success if you control where you're taking your money from at different um, economic times. Uh, so, Bruce, that's that's just kind of a summary of how we utilize that tool. And I just, I'm, fast, I'm forever fascinated how it is to educate clients about taking income on their money. And it's just a different approach than maybe they've read about um, in financial papers. Bruce? So um, really quickly, uh, Susie tells me there's a lot of textures. Anything else that you want to convey to listeners, any key takeaways on achieving financial independence before we let calls take us home or text take us home? Well, the only thing I would say is if indeed you're not a disciplined person in life in general, right, <clears throat> you're forever putting things off, you don't have goals, then you have to hire somebody or, you know, utilize friends or family. But a, a person that you could hire to coach you and keep you on track, then you're, you're just going to raise your probability of success long term. Bruce? Yeah, and, and again, Peg, I, we talk about it a lot on the show, and it's probably a different topic for a different day, but, you know, the, the statistics are, 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 are out there for people to find. Don't take our word for it. People that use a financial advisor do better than those that don't, and I think some people don't want to do it for a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons might be cost. If I pay a financial advisor, that's just more overhead what are they going to do to earn their pay? And I tell people all the time, if you engage me and after a reasonable period of time, you can't see or I can't demonstrate that net of cost, you're better off with me than without me, then fire me. That's what you should do. And I'm proud to say that we, we don't get fired very often. Our clients see that net-net, they're better off with us than without us. All right, Susie, if we have texts or calls or questions, let's let listeners take a drive the show the rest of the way. Very good. 651-461-9226. This texture writes, please give us information on how to get that free 22-page document the speaker offered last week. He was excellent. Thank you. Is there somewhere oh. we can send them? Peg, do you remember what Doug was talking about? I think it was... Uh... Oh, um, I'm drawing a blank. What's the research firm out of Chicago? Okay. Um, we can also send people. We can send yeah. people to the podcast. They can listen that the podcast at, at Your Money. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That yeah, will work because then they can listen to the show and find it there. Yeah, I'm so go sorry. To, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Peg. I was just going to say, if you go to Wealth Enhancement Group. Uh, wealthenhancement.com and one way is if it's easy for people just to look for the word insights and when you click on there you're going to see the your money show and if you click on there and scroll down a little bit because the past shows you know don't show up on the front page you just scroll down a bit to see them and it's it's there right now i'm looking at it okay good good thanks to that texture this person writes 
Sadly, my mom died a few weeks ago. She was 86. Her IRA was under 10000 will be transferred to my dad, also 86. Is he required to take her RMD? If yes, should we take it before transferring to him or after? Does that make sense? <coughs> yes, yeah, yeah. that's a really good question. First of all, Peg, you know, we uh, sorry for the loss, but... So spousal IRA, so mom died, IRA goes to dad, it's not going going to kids yet. Mom was obviously in required minimum distribution. What what are the requirements for dad getting a spousal IRA? Yeah, so if if she had not taken the twenty twenty three required minimum distribution, then he still has to take it by the end of this year. And then um, as, a, as a spousal IRA, he will have to continue to take required minimum distributions ongoing. Um, another thought is a lot of times with $10,000, and if you're 86 years old, a lot of times um, clients will just cash that in. Because here's the thing, if you take a little itty bitty out of it, if in, in we have the, the, um, the, the child of these people um, texting, then all of a sudden, maybe there's five children, Bruce, and and then they divide it over five different people. And then there's $2,000 a piece. And then each one of those have to take a required minimum distribution as an inherited IRA. And then, you know, so just, and they have 10 years that they have to take it out. So more times than not, if it's a smaller amount and all these RMDs and all these things you have to do, we recommend maybe the parents, the 86-year-old, is in a lower tax bracket, and you might want to do it in a year that you can do your final joint tax return, you know, because if one passed away, you still can file a joint return this year. Um, so those are some ideas. Bruce? Yeah, no, I think you covered it really well. And, and again, people get confused about, um, you know, inheriting IRAs. It, 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 if it's a spouse, that's the only exception where you don't have to deplete the account within 10 years, but you still have to take required minimum distribution if your spouse was you know, over the age where they had to take it. Um, but if, it's any, if the beneficiary is anybody other than the spouse, then they, they don't have to take anything right away unless they, the, the person that passed away was in RMD, but they've got to deplete that account within 10 years. So it gets tricky because people think, well, I don't have to take anything. Um, I got 10 years. But but if they were in the age where they had RMD, you still have to take the RMD, whether you're spouse or whether you're child or whatever. The RMD rule trumps everything else. Susie? 651-461-9226. We have about four minutes left in the show. This texter writes, doesn't inflation factor into the decision on whether to take a Roth conversion as you are paying the IRS today with higher real value dollars or today in or in order to save taxes on lower real value dollars due to inflation. As a result, and this is a little convoluted, but do you kind of get the gist of it? They're talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Peg, yep. It's a good question. So, Peg, Roth conversion analysis, we consider inflation, we consider tax consequences, we consider where the market is. Talk a little bit about the, the process of, of, of big conversions or not. We'll also consider uh, family legacy. 
Because I think the big motivator is family legacy. We just talked about an IRA being distributed to a spouse, but yet probably going to be distributed to children after they pass away. Well, if you're a person that wants to leave a legacy of tax-free dollars, then that's a motivator for people. The other thing is, Bruce, you hit it on the head. If the market's down and you can convert and pay some today's dollars on getting it into tax-free, then we do um, financial forecasts to let clients know when they would um, have break-even point. Because you're right, you are taking money they're sending to Uncle Sam today that you could otherwise make money on. Um, so, you know, we have to do an analysis for everybody. I would say Roth conversions, as much as we've talked about them in the last month, it's, um, it's something that I would say maybe 50% of the people when we bring up the subject do it, but um, not, it's not for everybody. Bruce? Yeah, and I'm going to deviate from the question just a little bit, only because I, I made a note that I wanted to get this in today if I could. Listeners are probably aware of the fact that the Supreme Court over the weekend struck down President Biden's student loan forgiveness issue. And I'm not commenting on whether the law was right or wrong or whether the Supreme Court was right or wrong, but I will say it's going to be impactful to everybody. We're talking about about 44 million people that haven't been making those payments that now have to start. There's going to be a ripple effect on the economy. I'm, I'm highly confident we're going to see reduction now in consumer spending, retail spending, and we'll have to see what that does to the stock market and what that does to the overall economy. But this student loan debt is a big thing, whether you have, whether you're paying student loan or whether you have a kid that is or not, even if you don't, there's going to be ripple effects and we're going to see some impact. And I wanted to at least mention that today because I think it's, it's current and it's a story that just broke this week and it's going to impact all of our listeners. Susie, I know we're almost out of time. I didn't mean to hijack the end of the show there, so I think it was important to get that in. Very, very important. That is in the news and something people are going to be thinking about, including myself that had a Parent PLUS loan that got put on hold, so I'll be back to paying that again. If people did not get their question answered, we want to make sure they know that they can always email their question to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com or always one eight six 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 advice and Bruce and Peg, we want to wish everyone a very happy and safe Fourth of July, right? And we'll see you next week. Make good we'll see you next week. Okay, great. Again, six eight 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 six advice. If you have a question that you didn't get answered this week.